0: Good night, the stars are bright. Good morning, Cornerstone. How's everyone doing? Great. Merry Christmas to you and Merry Christmas to you at Santan. We uh, hope that you are having a great time this morning and we're excited uh, that you guys are here with us. And if you're watching online as well, we're excited that you're able to watch us. Uh, I'm really excited to be here uh, this morning to be able to share with you uh, about my favorite Christmas carol. But I have to confess something is number one, uh, a couple of weeks ago that guy stole my favorite Christmas carol which was the Little Drummer Boy, okay, and and I know it's embarrassing, my wife always laughs at me because whenever it comes on I start crying, I don't know why, okay I just revealed something I probably shouldn't have revealed, Um, but uh, so my, it's really my second favorite Christmas carol uh, which is Oh Holy Night which is an awesome one and so uh, I get to share uh, just How God has impacted my heart, I think, through this Christmas carol and uh, how I think that can impact your life as well. So let's do this. Let um, Let me open us up in some prayer and then we'll jump in. Father God, I thank you for this incredible group of people here this morning at Cornerstone. We are so blessed and honored to be in your presence but also to come together to learn, to grow, and mature in you. And so I pray that wherever we're at, Father, um, we have people from all different places and maturities in their life, that you would meet us there. God, that you would challenge us to grow, that you would uh, just fill this room with your Spirit in a powerful way, that we would leave this place changed. We pray this in your name, amen. Uh, In the early 1900s, there was an inventor named Reginald Frezenden, Frezenden, and I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, uh, but that's his name. And Reginald, his whole purpose was that he wanted to create uh, music and sound over radio waves. Uh, During the 1900s, the only way you could communicate through radio waves was through Morse code. And so Reginald spent all of his time trying to, to, to find a way to make it happen where he could actually speak into a microphone or play music into a microphone and that would be transmitted to radio waves and, uh, and, and then to people who would pick it up in other places. Now he did it, which was really awesome. And so on Christmas Eve of 1906, he was in his laboratory and what he did was, the first thing he did when he got on was he read this, Luke chapter 2 verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men of goodwill. And then right after that he picked up his violin and for the first time and the first radio broadcast ever. He played O Holy Night to hundreds of people listening who were in awe. Now you have to think, in a 200-mile radius of his laboratory, people who would have only heard beeps of the Morris Code all of a sudden were hearing voices over their radio proclaiming God and proclaiming how incredible he was. They thought it was the end times. They really did, they believed, you know what, some of the people listening, they were on ships in the Navy and they're, 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 oh my gosh, God's coming back, like the angels are proclaiming. And so this incredible revival happened. And as he was playing his violin in that song, O Holy Night, people began to weep and cry when they heard the first radio broadcast ever. Isn't it amazing how things change? A hundred years ago, people were in awe of a radio broad- broadcast of a violin. I don't think anybody woke up this morning as you were coming to church and you turn on your radio and you're like, oh my gosh, do you hear what I hear? Hey, do you hear what I hear? That's good. I didn't even catch that, I'm telling you. There's Christmas songs on the radio, there's voices in this box, how did it get here? None of us even thought twice. We turned it on and we're like, oh, that radio station stinks, 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 we're trying to find what we like. Because things change, and a 100 years ago when something as miraculous as having this voice over the radio, now to us is the mundane, the boring, we're looking for more, looking for better. I would also maybe say that Christmas sometimes feels that way. I know for me I get caught up in the everyday going to get gifts going to parties, calling family, you know, wrapping presents, giving, getting, all those different things, and all of a sudden Christmas becomes this time where we have all these like expectations of what we're supposed to do, and I think, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think maybe we missed the point. We missed the point. I was just out Christmas shopping yesterday, and we were were at different stores looking for different things, and... We walk in and you know what, it's frustrating to me when you walk in and they're so happy to see you because you're spending your money. But they don't say Merry Christmas, they say Happy Holidays. And I wanna sit and I wanna go, you know what, it is a very happy holiday. You know what's a happy holiday? Because Jesus Christ came to this earth and died for you and he loves you so much. And you know it's his birth we're celebrating so you can say Merry Christmas, it's okay with me. You know, wouldn't that be awesome to do that? Now you may get kicked out of a store or two and you know, but, but uh, that, It's all about Christmas, it's all about Christ, and I think sometimes we lose that focus and we lose about what that is with all the celebrations. And I know Christmas is an exciting time for some people, but it's also a difficult time for some. Maybe you lost a loved one during this time. So what does it do? It brings back those memories. Maybe you're sitting around the table with the empty seat. That's where they used to sit. And then Christmas isn't a celebration as much as it is, it just brings back those hard, difficult memories. Maybe you don't have a lot to give, and maybe you're in that place where you see your kids, or, and you're, I can't give them things that I wanna give them. I can't bless them like I wish I could, and it hurts. Maybe some of you are moved out here, and this is away from your family and your friends. And so Christmas is sometimes spent alone, Christmas is spent just with you and maybe your spouse, or maybe you alone, or maybe just you and your family, and you're wishing you could be somewhere else, but you're here, and it's hard. See, there's some joy times, there's some celebration times, and there's some difficult times. And I want to say this, if if that's you, I want to say it's okay to feel that way. I want to give you permission to not, to not worry about the expectations and to sit back and say, you know what, there's more to all this. And maybe, there, maybe, maybe you can view it maybe a little bit differently if that's where you're struggling. Maybe you can see things in a little bit of a different light and I'm gonna share about what that is this morning. And even if you're ready to joyously celebrate, I wanna ask you to maybe see things in a different light as well and challenge us to look at Christmas, to look at a 100,000 foot level rather than the level of us down here worrying and getting busy and baking cookies and doing, man, those things are great, don't get me wrong, I love those things. But if we miss the point, we're in trouble. And so that's what I wanna talk about with you this morning. So how do we do this? How do we, uh, turn your Bible to Psalm 93 uh, verse one. Psalm is right, Psalms is right in the middle of your Bible, so if you just kinda open up right in the middle, I bet you will get Right to Psalm 93. So how do we, how do we do this? How, how do we get to a place, how do we get to a place where, where God is at the center? How do we not worry about all the stuff around us and really center in on the Christmas story, on this holy night where the Savior was born for you and I? I believe we can do that in a few ways and one I'm going to challenge you with today is is focusing on God for who he really is. In Psalm 93 in verse 1 listen to what it says. It says the Lord reigns. That's cool. He is robed in majesty, the Lord is robed in majesty and is armed with strength. Okay, so when we read the Psalms, basically Psalms were written uh, by a few different guys, but particularly this guy David, who was a king, and he would write these love songs about God and he would write, these are actually to music, and so he would write these songs and he was, was describing how powerful God is. And so he's here, he's describing that God is this power, he's full of strength, and he's robed in majesty. And so we have this, and, and, and sometimes I think it's like this fairy tale thing. We see God and we're like, yeah, he's powerful. He's robed in majesty. No, he's powerful, he's robed in majesty. Do you see that? And then he goes on, he says this: he says, the world is firmly established, it cannot be moved. So David says, you know what? The world is firmly established where it is. It cannot be moved. What he's saying is God is so powerful and he put all of these things in place that the world's not even gonna budge. You woke up this morning and the sun rose in the same place that's gonna rise tomorrow and the sun set in the same place it's gonna set tomorrow. Why? Because the world is firmly established. He created so much. And then it says, it says, "Your, your throne, in verse two, your throne was established long ago You are from all eternity. Now what I love about this is is the the Old Testament was written in a language called Hebrew. Now when this language is actually gone, ancient Hebrew is gone, it no longer exists. There's a new Hebrew language which is much different, but ancient Hebrew language, it's no longer here. And ancient Hebrew language was very descriptive and it was very poetic So when they would read these things, it would be like, almost like a poem. You know, and I'm not into poetry and all that, so it's kinda hard for me to understand, but it really was, and it it was actually very beautiful, if you wanna say that. So the language itself was beautiful and descriptive. And so words matter in the Hebrew language. Words are very important, and sometimes words have meaning, and we can read it and go, hey, that's, that's cool and interesting, but we don't understand the depth of those words. For instance, this word eternity, Some of your Bibles may say everlasting or eternal. Why is that word so important? Well, David is describing God in this way, and I want you to catch this, because I think it's awesome. It means, that word eternal, it means the horizon, or it means the place you can't see. Now, Now, here's the word picture. Have you ever been in a plane, and you're flying, and you look out at the horizon? Do you ever get there? No, once you get to the horizon, you realize there's more horizon. You can go really fast and you can see all kinds of things but you never reach the horizon. You're discovering all this stuff along the way that's below you but the horizon is still there and it's still there to be discovered. If you're in a ship and you look out across the ocean and the horizon is there, once you you reach the horizon, there's another horizon, right? The horizon never stops. That's the word picture. So here's, here's practically what that's saying is we can't even imagine how incredible God is. That he is discoverable on one level, meaning through his word he's made himself known to us in a powerful way, that we know his personality, we know what he's like, we know what he expects of us, but there's also parts of him that, that are the horizon, they're eternal. And once we get there, once we get there, all of a sudden we're like there's so much more to know. Why is it that we're gonna spend eternity in heaven as believers discovering and learning who God is? It's like that horizon point, it keeps coming. So I was, as I was thinking about this, I was saying, how can I illustrate this? And so it brought me to the Hubble telescope. Here's a picture of the Hubble telescope. We're gonna bring it up for you right here. Um, the Hubble telescope, that, that's Michael Buble. Okay, <laughs> there, there's a story behind this and I, I, okay, I'll tell you real quick what it is. I was trying to be funny and I wanted to make the Buble Telescope, okay, because I thought that was funny and my wife saw it and she said, Bill, you're weird. Don't ever do that. People will, will think you're crazy. So I sent over my pictures but I sent the wrong one with the Buble Telescope. Anyway, so, so we have the Buble, the Hubble Telescope. And the Hubble Telescope was $2.5 billion to build and you know what the whole purpose of it is? To find stars and, and galaxies and to look and see how big the universe is which is amazing and incredible. So what they did was they, you know, they start scanning the skies and taking pictures and photographs and zooming in on different places. Well, scientists said, hey, you know what, we wanna check out this one section of space because there's nothing there. And so they were like, okay, let's point the Hubble telescope at this section of space that we can't really see anything, where usually space is filled with a bunch of stuff, you know, just lights and galaxies and different things going on. But there's this one area that didn't have a whole lot, so they said, okay, let's point the Hubble telescope and we'll see if it's just blank or what is it there. Now I want you to imagine this, because this is huge. So the space that they they pointed it to, this, 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 this piece of space, this darkness, was about this big. If you, if you take your finger and you raise it up and you put a piece of sand at the end of your fingertip, okay, and you hold it right here and you look, whatever is behind that piece of sand, that grain of sand, is, the, is how much of a picture that they took of space, okay? So it's just tiny minute pinpoint this area of space. Look at what happened, look at what they found in this little piece of space. Now when they saw this, they were in awe. These are all galaxies. And each one of those galaxies is millions of stars. The, the scientists, and this happened in 2012, I think this is a, a deep space picture. So what, here, here's what happened. The scientists were like, wait a minute, that's just a little small grain of sand, of a piece of space, and yet there's millions of stars and galaxies in our universe. Then they began to calculate it and you know what they came up with? You know what they realized? Um, That there are more stars in the universe, there are more stars in the universe than there are sand in the seas of all of the world. Can you believe that? There's more stars than there are pieces and grains of sand on this planet. All of a sudden I feel really small. All of a sudden I feel really tiny and I realize that our God is huge, that He is amazing, that He is to the horizon point. I I just have a feeling, and I may be wrong, that God's up in heaven and He's like, hey, look at, look at angels, look, they built the Hubble telescope. They're gonna, they're gonna see how far they can see. They wanna see the end of the universe. I, and, and you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna mess with their heads. And he just keeps expanding the universe. You know, I would love it if one time at the end of it, he goes, hey, I'm gonna put a unicorn out there. And all of a sudden you're looking like, oh my gosh, there's a unicorn. You know, <laughs> you're thinking I'm weird. Uh, or Michael Buble, I don't know. But, <laughs> so do you see that? And so God is huge, but, but here's the other thing. God is not only huge, but God is small. Look at, look at this pi- next picture here. This is the CERN particle accelerator. The CERN particle accelerator, yeah, it's geeky. Um, it, Ryan Axel said it looks like crop circles, which I agree. Um, this is a 16-mile uh, particle accelerator that basically accelerates particles. You know, I'm not a scientist. All I know, it's crazy stuff. Uh, Six billion dollars to, to, to create that thing. Six billion dollars. Now, now, here's what the purpose of that is. They're trying to create... Um, well, they're trying to find the building blocks of the universe. So what they do is they accelerate these particles and it's all kinds of like magic. I don't even know. They find dark matter. That's what they call it. And they find all these crazy things. It's like, it's magic. I don't know. And, and so they accelerate particles and these particles are supposed to show us what the building blocks of our universe are. And so they get a glimpse of these things. So as they, as, as they get smarter... They start going deeper and smaller. So they start going to these things called gluons and quarks, and we don't really care about that stuff, it's just weird, it's all magic to me. It Doesn't even matter. But here's the point. What they're trying to do is get smaller and smaller. And you know what they keep finding when they're smaller and smaller? It keeps getting smaller and smaller. So once they discover something and then they found one that was so small and then it disappeared and reappeared. So now it's, they're like, we have no idea how this happened. There's these weird particles out there that are the building blocks that you and I would not even understand. But what they're saying is we can't figure it out. Until last week, they did the particle thing and everything's moving really fast and they discovered, hey, we found the building blocks of our universe. And this is the picture that they saw. Here's the picture. Lego Minecraft. (laughs) Lego Minecraft was at the center of the, no, I'm just kidding. Center of the universe. And again, here's what I'm getting at. That God is so big and God is so small that he is so discoverable and relational to us, but there's so much more we need to learn about him. That in itself should make us go, oh my gosh. He wants to have a personal relationship with you and I. He wants to understand you and I, and he wants to know you and I. The God who created all of this desires to know you and desires to know me. That's the Christmas story, that God sent his only son on that holy night for us to live, for us to live to know him, for us to have relationship with him. Oh, holy night is huge. And so God is big as well as God is small. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn them to Isaiah chapter six, just over to the right a little bit. And look at this with me. Page 536. If you have a little tiny Bible like mine. My... this Bible's so hard to turn pages, and it's but I like it um, so we have this picture that God is huge, God is big, we also. And Isaiah have an interesting picture. In Isaiah chapter 6, this is uh, a prophet Isaiah uh, who was given a vision by God. And at this time, he's he's picturing, God's giving him a vision of what heaven looks like. And so, the picture is that he's in the throne room of God, and he's in the temple, and God is there. And then listen to what it says in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 2. He says, above him, speaking of God, were seraphs, (laughs) listen, as he describes these seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces and with two they covered their feet and with two they were flying, okay? Now seraphs, if you don't know, maybe your Bible says angels, those are angels, okay? These aren't like touched by an angel type angels you wanna be touched by, right? I mean, they're up there, they got wings, they're like, what's up? They're going and they're these strong angels and they're powerful and they got wings here, wings here, wings here and they're just like, pow, pow. And, and they're huge. And they're up there and they're above God and they're, and, they're, and they're worshiping Him in the temple. And then it says this in verse three, it says, and they were calling to one another. And when that's calling, they're screaming this out. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. And then in verse four it says, and at that sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. You know, this isn't like that sweet little lady saying, Oh, Jesus loves you. It's touched by an angel. It's like, No, holy, holy, holy. And all of a sudden, your house shakes and it's filled with smoke. And you're like, What is going on? It's scary. And again, remember Hebrew. The language is so important. Listen to what it says Holy, holy, holy. This is what the angels are proclaiming. The Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is full of His glory. Now, I want to, we're going to picture this for a minute. The whole earth is full of His glory. That word, full is an amazing word, because you know what it means? And, and, and I'm big on words, and I know some of you aren't, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm teaching, you're not. Um, <laughs> I like that. If you take a balloon, and you start like filling that balloon up, and it gets to that point where it's just about to break. You know that moment where your kids are, you're like, don't blow up that balloon anymore. Don't do that, that's gonna blow up in your face, and they're like, and they keep going. And all of a sudden it blows up in their face and they cry, and at that point where there's no more room left, where it's so full of air that nothing, that nothing can get in, in one more breath, it's gonna explode. That's what the angels proclaim, the earth is full of God's glory. You know what the word glory means? It means the weight of his significance that his significance is felt everywhere. Now I want you to, this is, this was revolutionary for me. Now I'm not a big one to say, hey, I'm you know, all into the, you know, oh, God's in the mountains and in the trees. That, but this is what I'm saying is God's glory is everywhere. It is everywhere in our midst if we choose to see it. And the angels proclaim that it's full, overflowing. How many times do we miss that? How many times do we choose not to see that? How many times do we take Christmas as a, you know what, it's just a time to give gifts, it's a great holiday, and we forget that his glory is filling this earth. Now, let's imagine that, that I died right now. Some of you are like, that would be great, let's get this over with. Um, <laughs> some of you didn't laugh, you're the ones I'm worried about. Um, Let's imagine I died and I went to heaven, and I was like, you know, God, because this is how I feel sometimes, you know. Us as people, we feel like we're kind of good, right? We feel like we've done a good job. Like, you know what I'm doing? I, I've done some good things. And, and imagine I'm just, this like, God and I were having a conversation. I was sitting, like, next to him, like, hey, God, man, it's so good to be in heaven. I, I, I kind of deserve this. You know, I've, I've been kind of good. You know, I've been a pastor for like 25 years, I'm a good guy. And the other day, I saw this homeless guy, I gave him a buck. It's pretty good, I'm good. In fact, God, I can make a list of all the good things that I've done, and God, what good things have you done? Like, what, you know, what, what, what are you all about? Like, and, and maybe I, I challenge God to a list. of saying, God, you know what, let's share a list. Let's compare the good things you've done with the good things I've done. I can see God saying, okay, I'll do that. And I'll be nice, and I'll say, hey, God, you know what, why don't you go first? Why don't you share your list and then after you're done, I'll share mine. You know, possibly the list might go something like this. So here's God saying this to me. Hey, Bill, you ready? I'm like, yeah, go for it, God. And he said, okay, here's my list. Um, I created the universe, billions and billions of stars, black holes, the moon, the Bible you read, I created that. Halley's Comet, Saturn, Pluto, little moment of silence, it's not a planet anymore. Um, I created the Earth, love, You know the night sky after a monsoon? Huge pickles at 7-Eleven? I created those. I created the little stuff like atoms, protons, neutrons, gluons, quarks, you know, the Grand Canyon, you know, the Great Barrier Reef, mullets, um, endless blue sky, Niagara Falls, you know that feeling of sand between your toes when you walk on the beach? Yeah. And pot-bellied pigs. I created Karchner Caverns, you know, Fiji water, in fact, all that bottled water, as well as freshwater, saltwater, salt water, rivers, streams, oceans, ponds, lakes, pools, precipitation, condensation, evaporation, you know, that whole thing. Grace, peace, mercy, Yellowstone, packs of wild javelinas in Tucson. You know that Milky Way galaxy? I created that. You know that warm wind blowing through the open window on a hot summer night in a hot Krispy Kreme donut? <laughs> Beethoven, Shakespeare, Monet, U2, Michelangelo, Ryan (laughs) Axtell. Forgiveness, justice, joy, Chaka from Land of the Lost. (laughs) Some of you remember that. Dinosaurs, yeah, that was kind of a weird time. Uh, Trees, all the different species. Lightning storms, the calming effect of sitting on the deck with a good book and clean white socks. Fruits, vegetables, nuts, grains, Joe's real (laughs) barbecue. In-N-Out, Paradise Bakery, Oregano's Deep Dish Pizza, Rita's Water Ice, Starbucks, Joyride's Taco House, Chick-fil-A Ra- Weight Watchers. <laughs> you know the way you turn your head when you eat a taco? Yep. And puppies. People, all of them, every last one, nations, countries, continents, bald heads, hairy backs. <laughs> Running, skipping, laughing, communion, Sunday morning church, college football, the perfect golf swing, taste buds, nose hairs, and scorpions. (laughs) The smell of fresh cut grass and air conditioning, praise God. Biology, psychology, archeology, span nanotechnology, all the ologies. Whales, dolphins, the Great Plains, Rocky Mountains, children laughing and giggling, hospitals, schools, rescue missions, Harvest India, family, parents, kids, grandparents, inflatable swimming pools, jump houses, the whole idea of hot and cold, the whole idea of time, swimming at the lake during sunset, the sound of lightning crashing, thick, nasty beards. I created them all. Friendship, courtship, marriage, the sun, rising and setting, oxygen, the air you breathe, plants, soil, reptiles, insects, mammals, prayer, charity, community, gift giving, Christmas, giving my only son to save the world. Seriously I could go on for eternity Bill, why don't you go? (laughs) Do, Do you catch the greatness of the God we serve, the bigness and when we see that, It brings us to a point of saying, like that song, O Holy Night, we fall to our knees and we say, I don't, I I don't even come close to you. You are so much more and so much greater than I am. The ancient biblical scholars had a name for, for God, and I love this name. They called him the master of the universe. I know the picture you're you're thinking He-Man right now. But it was, they called him master of the universe. And it was this idea that God is control and he's got your back. In fact, he, he's so in control and he's got your back that he cares about everything. And he cares about this relationship that you and I have with him. And that he desires that even though he's the master of the universe. Something so big and so great and yet so small. I remember when I was in elementary school, um, I, uh, I was about fourth grade and I was picking on a kid, a kid was picking on me and we decided we were gonna get in a fight, you know how that happens? And I was walking home from school and I remember walking through and then all of the kids started gathering, saying it's fight time, it's fight time. And you know how that happens? all the kids started circling me and then the kids showed up and I realized this kid is gonna kill me. Like, he is gonna kill me, there's no way, and then he, he had so many more friends than I did, and so I was fearful, and I said, I, I can't fight this guy, I'm gonna get myself in trouble, and so I'm like, I don't know what to do, and he starts pushing me, and out of nowhere, I hear this van pull up, you know, and this was in the early 70s, and so it's, uh, it's pulling up in the back, and I, and I hear the door open, and I look, and these three high school guys come out, and they had their Farrah Fawcett poster in their van, remember those days, and, uh, and I remember they walked up, and, and I knew, that's my neighbor. And they go, they look around and they go, hey, Billy, how you doing? I said, uh, good now that you're here. And they looked at all the kids and they said, you don't mess with him. You mess with him, you mess with us. And all the, you know, guys are like, you know, trying to be all tough with their long hair, you know, from the 70s. (laughs) We'll get you, man. And, uh, and they got back in the van. And I remember all the kids were like, hey, Bill, what's up, man, it's cool. And they walked away. I was covered. When we live... Do you realize we're covered? Like we had the master of the universe at our back, like he's there, he's right there in our midst. There isn't anything that you're going through that he can't walk with you through. Does it mean everything's gonna be easy? Absolutely not. Does it mean he's gonna take away all pain and sorrow? No, but it means he's gonna walk with you through it. That's how big and relational our God is, and incredible he is, and hopefully that draws us to our knees. So what does all this mean for us? two things. Number one, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, uh, it means you have a job to do. Uh, Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's to your right, almost to the end of the New Testament. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 17, let me read this to you and I hope you catch this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Okay, I want you to realize this right now, that if you're in Christ, you're you're new. You're a new creation. When you said, God, I'm gonna follow you, I'm surrendering my life to you, he said, "Your, your slate is wiped clean, your past is gone, you're brand new. That is something you can lay your life upon. And sometimes we go and we go, oh yeah, God, I know I did this, but we keep going back to our old ways. Oh God, I can't, you know, God says, you know what, you're new. Mercies are new every morning. That should make us go, ah. And then it says this, but you're new for a purpose. He goes on to say in verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. So because of Christ's death, we can have right relationship with God. That's what he's saying. And then he says this. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Those of you who are believers today, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You know what that means? We were saved so that we can minister to save others. That ministry of reconciliation means that it's our responsibility as Christians to share the message that we receive to others. That is amazing to me. So not only do we get salvation from God, this huge incredible God that is constantly searchable, but he brings us on the team. And he says, I want you to be a part of of a divine conspiracy where you get to be a part of my creation and what I'm doing in a powerful way. And so during Christmas time, when you have family and friends around, during these next weeks, remember who you are. Later he goes on to say, you're ambassadors of Christ, you represent me that every holiday party, get it? Every Christmas party that you go and you represent him in a powerful way. That's a challenge. Now, number two, first, if you're a Christian, second, if if you're not a believer, turn to Romans chapter five. And this is someone who has not surrendered their life to Christ. In Romans chapter five, Listen to what he says in verse six. He says, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is what he's saying is, because you're a sinner. He died for you and he loves you and he cares for you and he desires to have a relationship with you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave you with this. At the end of time, because there will come a place where you either die or it's over. Everything's done. The Bible says we'll stand before God. I want you to picture this with me for a minute, please. If you don't catch anything, catch this. I, picture, I want you to picture yourself standing before God and everything you've ever done is revealed to him. There's nothing hidden. Every thought you've ever had, every intention you've ever had, every little thing that ever happened is laid out before him. Now, number one, you're gonna be embarrassed, but I don't think that's the biggest one. I think the hardest one is this, is when we see how beautiful and amazing and holy and incredible God is, we're gonna be on our knees saying, God, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve you. I, I am a broken, I am a sinful man. And I need someone to save me. I need someone to take away this darkness that's in me so that you don't see me that way. See, that is the whole story of redemption. See, for those of us that are Christians, what happens is we're in that same place. We're in that same area, but the difference is is Jesus is standing right next to us. And what happens is God looks down and sees Jesus, that he lived a perfect life, and that I have given my life to Jesus. And so he's looking at the Father saying, hey, we already dealt with the sin. We've already dealt with this stuff. We're good. But if you're left alone, be eternally separated from God, and then to realize that you could have had an incredible relationship with him, but you passed it by. So my challenge for you is this, if if you need to make that decision that you would do that, that you would say, God, I need you, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray And after I pray, I'm gonna ask you if if you want, you could fill out one of our yes cards and that means somebody's gonna talk with you about that decision and you'll be able to talk with them. But I don't want, I'm getting choked up because I don't want you to leave this place without understanding that incredible love that he has for you. Father God, we thank you for this morning. I pray your spirit is moving in in our midst and I pray that those who need to know who you are right now, Father, that you would show them. I pray that you would touch their hearts. I pray, Lord, that they would come before you in their minds and that they would begin confessing those things that are separating them from you, those sins that they have. Lord, you already know those. And so we pray and ask, God, that you would work in their hearts and in their lives. And we pray that you would be the center of their life.